What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today we're going to be touching on something a little dark and a little light. We're going to be talking about religious iconography in horror films. Now, there's only one person I could think of to call on to do this. He's the sinister minister, the minister of the macabre. He is Peter Laws, author and journalist. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yes, good to be here to talk about this uh, pretty crazy topic. But yeah, it's good, it's good to uh, chat to you again, Scott. Good. To yeah, you here. too. Thank you for coming on. Um, no, for, for those that uh, that don't know you, um, do you want to introduce yourself? And of course, let's get the plug in early as well for for anything you want. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, people um, can. Uh, Sometimes when they hear that I'm a church minister and I'm talking about horror films, they think that I'm here to kind of swing in and rescue horror fans and um, get them away from 18 certificate films or something. That is not my aim. I'm basically a person who has loved horror all my life. Uh, In fact, I was watching horror movies way before I even even considered setting foot in the church. I became a Christian in my early 20s. Um, And so for me, horror uh, has always been a very meaningful genre for me. And so... uh, when I became a Christian, I tried to give it up for a while because some Christians told me that it was not a good thing for a Christian to like <laughs> horror. But actually, I started to realize that I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the Bible and religion in general is actually quite well connected with the subject of horror and that those two things can sit together quite well. So, yeah, so I, I, I write um, on horror these days and sometimes where it connects with religion. I'm also an author of uh, not just nonfiction, but also of a, a fiction series uh, called um, the Matt Hunter series, where it's about a basically a, a church minister, an ex-church minister turned atheist ac- academic who helps solve the religiously motivated crimes, things like that. Uh, and so that's that's kind of my day job at the moment, writing and uh, doing writing for the 14 Times magazine and also still doing bits of church things here and there. Excellent. Living the dream. Living the dream. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty weird dream. For some people it's like what? Mm. Like they still can't get their heads around the idea that someone who is, you know, would call themselves religious or spiritual would have an interest in in the dark side, but I just think that's a very natural part of human uh, personalities that we are a mixture of the sort of the dark and the light. I think that's where the kind of the beauty is, you know, where that combo is. I've met people who are, you know, they act fully light at all times, and I kind of don't trust them. Yeah, I definitely touched that. It's funny you say, and, and, and having read um, your book, in fact, I've read, I've read two of your books recently, but I haven't read The Frighteners. Oof, well, uh, well. Uh, the, the Frighteners oh, recently, yes. like you, you, you touched on that point that you know to suppress the the darkness and to try and sort of just look on the happy side and, and sort of go, no, it's all it's all sweetness mm. and light. Is you are you know you're just ignoring a huge part of of history and, and pop culture and society and, and everything. Yeah. So 
Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, some people do that. I remember being at a dinner party once with a lady and she said um, she would never dream of watching the news because she just couldn't handle the, the kind of the, the, the sadness of the world. And I thought, well, I mean, that's just not me. I, I, I'm a sort of person who is, is disturbed by real life murder and the horrible things that happen in the world and, and, and torture and suffering. You know, I think it's fairly normal to be disturbed by that. But I also think it's fairly normal to want to explore it mm. and to try and ponder it and try to learn to be brave around it and get my head around these things. I do that I through agree. fiction, through horror, stuff like that. Yeah, and I think I think horror definitely is a genre that sort of, you know, it, it marries up with so many other bits and pieces that um, it can mm. easily be explored. You know, it can be a great social commentary, you know, in it's no, you know, yeah. the, the the cliche, I suppose, is uh, Night of the Living Dead, and you know, as a commentary on mm. and Dawn of the Dead being diff- you know, a commentary on uh, uh, consumerism and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, and, and I th- and, and and also I found actually because 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 growing up I wasn't a churchgoer or a Christian. In fact, I was really very anti-religious, uh, particularly anti-Christianity. I really had a problem with Christians. I thought they were trying to turn me into something like some sort of geek or some sort of uh, um, sort of sandal wearing, socks wearing, rainbow strap guitar hanging type hippie type who would not have any never watch an 18 certificate film and would love everyone completely and never have a crossword and all that sort of thing and i thought that's just i can't be that i can't stop watching scary films i can't stop being human um and so i actually put off going to church for a long time well i say i put off i didn't even think about Mm. it as being an option um but it was it was ironically it was horror films, particularly films like The Exorcist, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about, which started to just make me ask some of the more spiritual questions. So, while some people will say to me, you know what horror? Well, some Christians would say horror is an inappropriate genre to have in society. I'd actually say no, it's very appropriate, and in fact, it can oddly be a doorway into spiritual thinking. So, to me, I think more Christians should embrace and promote horror in fact it's one of, it's one of the only genres that takes this the supernatural seriously i mean so many people i know like christians i know will kind of say oh no you know don't watch that scary stuff we should you should just be watching nice things like i don't know disney evan almighty that film yeah. that came out you know that was about that's biblical it's like no it wasn't it was using a biblical idea but it was just a kind of nice soft and it was fun don't get me wrong but you know, life and religion is supposed to deal with deep stuff as well as surface stuff. And I think horror does that really well. I agree. I think it can really challenge, um, you know, some thinking. And I think and there's been several films that have really done that for me recently. I think, you know, they, they, they mm. come up and I think we'll, we'll definitely touch on a few. But there's been films in the past couple of years, um, uh, Hereditary and... Oh, yeah, I liked Hereditary yeah, a lot. Yeah, and... Um, uh, the recently we will touch on uh, uh, the apostle. Um, oh yes, on the Netflix. Yeah, on, ne- on the Netflix. Did I say on the, the Netflix? Ne- <laughs> the Netflix. This is oh, on the in- yeah. It's on the Netflix. On, that's it. This is on the uh, the internet. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that's you know they, they can they really can challenge uh, your thinking and your your uh, you know your ideas of things, and I think. It, that's that's yeah. almost what you know these creative outputs should be doing. You know they're there not just to sort of they can be fluff and well, they can be entertainment, but they can also challenge your concept oh, of reality. Yeah, and I, don't get me wrong, I need fluff mm. as well. So I you know I will really enjoy watching like 
I don't know, I could watch an old episode of Columbo or The Love Boat or something like really sort of... Well, actually, Columbo's not banal, but The Love Boat yeah. certainly is. <laughs> you know, and I actually find that after I've, I've, I'm writing novels, uh, I'm just working on my fourth one at the moment, at the end of the day when I've just been writing about, you know, demons and murder and all that sort of stuff, I need something to, to that's that's purely a palate cleanser. But equally, if I was to live my life pretending that everything is okay when it's just clearly not that would that would make me unsettled because mm. i i and it would also mean i would never have an opportunity to engage in the things that scare me uh that's how you learn courage i think by engagement so so yeah makes sense that horror exists and it's not going to go away i just know it's not oh, no well, it's a fundamental part of the human condition isn't it so yeah um, but what we're going to be talking about here is obviously uh horror and its relationship with with religion and, and religious iconography mm. um and so re- i mean really you know just those high level thoughts really we, we've discussed it around it but actual in films what are your initial thoughts and really of sort of uh, the horror film and their use of religious iconography well i i'd say that um when you start thinking about it it becomes actually quite shocking <laughs> how much religion is in horror and and i don't just mean religion in general of course there's many many different religions but many many of our of the of your listeners perhaps will um be used to uh, or have more of a kind of hollywood centric diet when it comes to the films they watch and so particularly kind of western films and hollywood films are have a, have a massive amount of religious ideas in them And they just keep doing it. And even at a point when society is kind of turning away from religion or organized religion, you know, these days, um, many people would get the impression that Christianity is is pretty much dying out. Ironically, it's actually growing more today than it ever has in history um, across the world. But certainly in countries like England and America, they, you know, numbers are going down in terms of people who go to church. So you would think that that would go away. But then you get horror movies. Well, I mean, the obvious examples are things like The Nun mm. or The Conjuring films um, that are just that they're so steeped in Christianity that, um, number one, it's very interesting, I think, to see that our society is haunted by the religion it leaves behind. I think that's something that does happen that, um, you know, for many of us, you know, we, we feel we don't want to be part of a organized religious worldview and that's fine i totally understand that but many people do remain spiritual let's say or they have an interest in spirituality and even if they're not even if they're atheists they still live in a post-christendom world Mm. and so these these topics are still relevant and so it's not a surprise to find them in horror films but actually you could say that um and I, i i saw an article recently about this which was saying that horror films are 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 so Christianized at times, it's almost like religious propaganda. They're, they're almost pushing this view that evil is in the world and the only answer is, after all, in organized religion. And for some people in our modern world, that's actually quite offensive because it's like, well, hang on a minute, we've, we've ditched that. And so horror films, I find it interesting that they still, they still do that. You know, in so many ways, many of us have kind of, we feel like say Christianity, organized Christianity is not irrelevant to our lives. Mm. But ironically, once somebody in your family starts acting in a kind of demonic way <laughs> yeah. or in the in films where things start going crazy and, 
you know, heads are spinning and there's demonic nuns creeping up your steps at night, suddenly the church becomes quite relevant. Yeah, it's... And I find that quite it, interesting. It is, nothing that, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, the trope, isn't it? Sort of like, um, if you were to watch some of the, the, the Haunted House or Possession movies, um, it yeah. very much is almost like, a, there's almost like a step-by-step guide, you know, there's denial at the beginning, and then, yeah. and then there's sort of like um, fear and acceptance, and then step number three is priest. And it's sort of like, you know, it's straight yes. into that, and you're like, oh, you, you started out as a non-believer, and then literally within like mm. three steps, you, you are now welcoming... And it's absolutely, and and it's not just obviously it's not just priest. Um, like sometimes, and particularly in the kind of seventies and into the eighties, uh, as kind of Christianity began to lose its sort of currency in popular culture, then that's that's where you start to see the more scientific religious mm. aspects coming in, which are more like the the sort of the psychics, the spiritualists, the paranormal investigators, who would in some ways, just be doing things like they would be waving around, let's say, and they still do this today, you know, waving around EMF meters yeah. or, um, you know, like uh, like motion detectors and stuff. Yes, as, a, as, a, as a, a tool to register scientific inquiry, of course, to get data, but they almost wave these things around like they are religious objects, you know, that they are the connection between this world and the next. And um, I in my book, The Frighteners, which explores why people love monsters, ghosts, death and gore and why I do, um, I interviewed a, a, a barrister um, who is, a, is the, also the chairman of the Ghost Club in Britain. And um, he was saying about how these days modern ghost hunting is very similar to kind of Victorian spiritualism, um, where people are kind of finding some sort of spiritual experience that has a scientific vibe because they measure stuff yeah. Yeah. and they record stuff. Um, but I suppose the point I'm trying to make is, um, yeah, you know, when stuff happens that's outside of our realm of logic, for example, chairs moving around by themselves mm. in horror films or in real life, and we go to, you know, who are you going to go to for that? You know, well, who are you going to call? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... Are you going to go to Citizens Advice? Are you going to go yeah. to the doctors? So this is, you know, and of course, this the, the great example of this is The Exorcist, where you know they go to they 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 exhaust all of the normal channels. That's what I like about mm. The Exorcist, actually, because the, the the parent the, the woman does take her child to sensible places like the doctors and to psychologists, and that's what I would say to anyone who's having a supernatural experience, you know don't neglect the medical explanation yeah but in the end you're right they go to the church in the end and the church ends up being the 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 answer which is very it unusual is. i think i mean it's you know it's taken on a bit more of a um it, it comes in in waves and i think it's on a bit of an upswing at the moment with with yeah, like the conjuring right. universe and um you know um Obviously, as you said like, they mentioned like the nun being uh, one of the most recent additions to that to that mm. franchise. But one of the things I found was sort of like the more I looked at this, I was sort of sat down and looked at the kinds of films that were being produced and what what Hollywood produces, and I sort of found there's like there's like three um, religion sort of falls into three categories. And I could be miles off, but it was just a thought. Really, was yeah. There's there's and it comes under sort of this thing that you said about you know being the sort of the, the go to is. It either becomes the easy get-out clause, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're going against evil, so we use you know the ultimate light, so we turn to 
uh, some yeah. form of religion, usually like I say, usually sort of a form of Christianity. Or they are the dogmatic villain. So yeah. they get they get sort of put in, and I, as you said about that, you know, people sort of don't want to become or or fear being part of that organised um, mm. um, society. Is like there are yeah. horror films where they throw them in as like, well, they're actually they're almost like the Empire. You know what I mean? They're sort of like, oh yeah, the the, the, yeah. the Vatican yeah. or you know the the, the bishop yes. or whatever. It's it's mm. it's uh, or even like a cult. They are the dogmatic yeah uh, uh, villain of the piece. No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing, really, was was less sort of a dogmatic thing, but was as the other, like religions we mm-hmm. don't understand, like yeah. Um, and the one that sort of really sort of jumped to mind was I don't know if you've seen the Serpent and the Rainbow. Um, oh yes, yeah, that's that, the worst crazy film. Yes, so you know, and this sort of that's based on uh, you know on um, alleged true events, but it's that idea of, of, yeah. of voodoo uh, and, and Haitian culture being the other, mm. and just simply by being another, it becomes. Um, you know, it becomes almost like an evil uh, supernatural entity. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a pretty that's a pretty clever way of um, of differentiating, and I think that is that is what happens. And I, and that, that's what's interesting about other religions that are you know, uh, when you say other religions as if they're the religions from other countries, mm. but of course you know we live in a multicultural mm. society. We we can't just say this is a Christian country. You know, that's that's not a the, the, I don't think that's a really helpful way of putting it. It's a, it's a country filled with lots of different people with faith and no faith. Um, but what's interesting is, yes, horror films can sometimes be, if you, you could call it quite old fashioned in that they cling to Christianity almost being the norm. And then they use this feeling of other religions as being, like you say, the other as a source of fear. Mm. And so The Exorcist is, is a great example where it starts um, with the Muslim call to prayer over the, the, the title sequence. And I, I, I know various people have watched that and just felt creeped out. And they're sitting there going, oh, that sounds scary. Mm. That's somebody kind of praying in another language and I've been programmed to think that that's bad. Yeah. But of course, uh, you're sitting next to your Muslim friend and he's going, that's just normal. That's just a prayer. That would be like somebody praying the Lord's Prayer, you know, that many people might know, our Father who art in heaven at the beginning of something. Mm. And then someone from a different culture being scared of it. So, so yeah, you're right. You can use religion is is a good way of of of, of creeping people out, and you can use a foreign religion if you if it's foreign to you. I mean, um, as a way of putting you in a in a realm you don't know what the rules are anymore. That's what I like about the serpent and the rainbow. Um, it's that it it kind of, it it's it's existing in a in a religion you know, like say like sort of Haitian voodoo, which you're kind of like, oh, what's going on here? What's this powder they keep spitting in people's faces? Uh, you know, snakes coming from beyond the grave. It, the, it's it's a bit more chaotic and, and horror films thrive on throwing you into mysterious scenarios. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, because well, the, the two, I say Serpent the Rainbow was, is, is, it was on my touch point, but the other one I, I thought about was, uh, was, was, which is a weird cross and is less a horror film, um, more of a weird, supernatural thriller but is angel heart um oh yeah with Robert, yes. Robert De Niro with the worst yeah the worst pseudonym ever um i think isn't he like lewis cypher yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that that's like a sort of you know those crappy jokes that you used to yeah. have which were like you know who oh this book's called you know stealing by bank robber <laughs> yeah yeah see my name is seymour yeah. seymour butts 
<laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and that, but then that's like a detective story, and that again has uh, that you know the it's, I think it's in Louisiana, but it has that sort of the voodoo mm. um, rituals, and so it sort of it crosses over, and it's that acceptance again of that supernatural. It's a very weird film. It's a good. I actually quite enjoy it, but. It's good. It, yeah, it's it's a good film. Um, I I remember the the scene where um, is it Lisa Bonet mm. and she's in bed and she's covered in chicken's blood or something. I remember that being etched into my mind when I was was a kid. But you know, this this point you made about the other just made me think that what's very interesting today as well is that the the more that like Christianity and particularly evangelicalism, which you know you could describe as more fundamentalist Christians, um, the more they start to slip away from reflecting mainstream thought um they become the other in our society and so more and more and actually particularly in the novels i write evangelical christians um become the source of the fear Mm. um and so for some people actually even if they're living in a western world view that has a christian kind of background just hearing someone pray the lord's prayer is spooky in itself because it makes you think oh crap it's a religious person. It's a Christian, and Christians are actually these days quite scary. Well, at least the ones you see on TV are. Yes. You know, yeah. there's a lot. The lot of there's a lot of us that are actually pretty normal and liberal and chilled out, but the ones that get on TV, um, and the ones that have got the placards at gay people's funerals saying God hates fags, which is just shocking. But those people exist, and they get the airtime. And so, I'm not surprised that people find that scary, and therefore they become a source for horror. I, I agree, and I think that's it, isn't it? It's, it's an e- it's, I say easy, easy probably the wrong word, but it's almost like um, you're tapping into people's subconscious fears. That you know that thing I say that other that yeah. thing that is out there, and um, even as a you know from from a from a child, I think there's um, uh, in the film uh, Kevin Smith film Dogma. Uh, there's a line in that mm, about yeah. uh, one of the characters in her faith, and she's well, when I was young. Um, you know, my glass, my faith glass was a lot smaller, so it was easy to top up. Um, and as I've mm. got older, the glass has got bigger, and it's harder to fill. And, and you know, so she's questioning her faith. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Um, but the, the thing that, that sort of, especially you'll see, being in a in a, uh, a white Westerner myself, is that, that sort of um, Christianity is, is sort of it's just there. You know, when you're a kid, it's an easy way yeah. for people to explain that. Yeah, Granny's gone to heaven, or you, you know. Uh, you know, yes. Fido. Yeah, Fido's gone to heaven too, and so so your fish and, and everything else. That you you just you just this um, faith structure is is just a background. So the superstition mm. and the supernatural that is adhered to it, it's just like an easy go to. It's like you know, okay, well the people know that, and it's always going to be that little yeah. nugget, whether you be whether you actually be a, a you know a Christian or not, you know, a lapsed Christian, mm. or whatever. It's there. Like you you are you you have had. Uh, it'd be very difficult to find a white Christian. I use it as a, I'm just using it as a sort of a demographic that hasn't had in Britain mm-hmm. access or at least some exposure to, um, you know, like a Christian um, iconography. Yes. And, you know, and, and structure. Precisely, and, and for some of those people, they would have had a very negative experience. Mm. And you know, I because I, I I never went to church growing up, and and never had that kind of feeling of being brainwashed into it um that in some ways it was kind of a rebellion for me to start going to church because i was so anti it before but some people have been brought up in very strict religious environments and so for them it's naturally a scary thing mm. um but uh there are others who you know are kind of lukewarm about religion uh, and others still who actually 
might harbor a, a sense of worry or doubt that, you know, that they've moved on from this idea of thinking about spirituality. And so if they're thrown into a supernatural situation, like you see in horror films, they certainly are like, oh, crap, um, am I on my own here mm. or can I get help? And this is what I find interesting about one of, one of the symbols you see, a religious symbol you see quite a lot in horror movies is, um, is the abandoned church mm. building. Is like the old decrepit um, church buildings um, that are a source of great fear and spookiness and gothic sort of chills, which is great. But they're also, I think, a very potent symbol for what we're talking about, which is the presence of religion is there, but it's faded. It's kind of lost its grandeur from before. And that has got a sense of spookiness about it, but it's still there. You know, it hasn't been completely bulldozed. It's still around, um, but it's now the source of spookiness rather than comfort. Um, and it's almost in, in a sense that, um, well, God was here for a while back in the 50s, yeah. let's say, but you had your chance, but he's gone. Um, you know, he was here. You didn't come when you could and he's gone now. And now you're on your own to face this demonic entity or whatever it is, this monster, this vampire. And, and, and that's, that's just a kind of, I like that. It's a kind of cool um, scenario to make people feel unsettled. So I'm not surprised there's a lot of abandoned churches in films because uh, it evokes subconscious thought in us, I think. It does. Like you say, I like that. I really like that idea because it is. It taps in almost into that guilt of and worry yeah. of, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have, I've stepped away. So that's sort of like, you know, abandonment of, say, mm. of, of the church in, in you know is it is it in both ways or is it just me walking away um yeah i like the, the, the mention that you mentioned the 50s and again this is something I, as i was going through all this research was something i read which was about uh, the transition and the introduction of um the, uh, this idea of of, of uh, religion and, and christianity in, in horror films uh, and it said, like you mm-hmm. know, following like the uh, Second World War and the, into the fifties, it was a, uh, especially in, in America, it was, um, it, you know, they, they almost sort of say it sounds like they were the what did they say? They say the best generation ever, and so that was the, the, the <laughs> nuclear family was that that was ideal that you know, dad went to work, yeah. mum stayed at home, and he went to church on Sunday, and and it was very it was very sanitized, and then mm. you get the counterculture of the sixties, and. Um, that sort of counterculture sort of stems um, that other, you know, sort of spirituality, but yeah. almost as another, you know, so that, yeah, we, we mm-hmm. do believe there's a soul and we do believe that, but now we believe there's a reincarnation. Yeah. That sort of thing gets reflected in, um, I think really in sort of like in the 60s into the 70s, that Christianity element still remains because it becomes uh, solid, but again, it becomes... Mm-hmm. The dogmatic villain, and the the one I, th- I still think of the most is Rosemary's Baby, where oh yes, where, what a yeah, film. where uh, you know Rosemary is is isolated uh, and surrounded by Satanists. Like she doesn't, you know, spo- mm-hmm. spoilers for a film from the sixties, but like she, you know, <laughs> she is literally sort of impregnated by by Satan, and she's being gaslighted throughout. And it is it's that isolation of um, the other or this counterculture set up to sort of you know. Um, separate this this mm. virginal looking woman from um the rest of yeah. it's, it's it's such a good theme that then i think gets you know then you start to get into that sort of um what i say is the to and fro in 
of like you, you know you said about Christian uh, propaganda and, and sort of argued yeah. that is the to mm-hmm. and fro of like in Rosemary's Baby, there's v- there's very little because it is Christian. Cause it's all it, obviously it's about the devil as, as, a, as a physical entity, but there's very little actual church as in. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, that's right. It's very different to a film like The Exorcist, mm. where um, you could say that's more like Christian propaganda. Whereas you're right, Rosemary's Baby, and I think this is what one of the things I love about Rosemary's Baby is that um, it's actually you could read it as fairly supportive of of, of belief or worship of the devil, um, and I just find that an interesting exploration to do in the 60s because you know like you said you know after the 50s people are kind of a bit disillusioned they've gone through the the you know that they've trusted in god and then they've went through a horrific world war in the you know ending in the 40s and the 50s things start to look up but then things go wrong again and then in the 60s you know people do start turning to spirituality like you said but that's when we get the the great kind of mainstream occult explosion Mm. as they call it where people are just more and more interested in witchcraft and devil worship and satanism and those sorts of things which i find by the way a completely legitimate thing to be interested in um you know some people think you know it'd be absolutely wrong um to to explore other faiths or religions but i'm the type of guy who thinks it's important to to explore and and find out what you believe um but yeah so rosemary's baby is a great example of um in a way a a a supportive view of coming around to believe you know what maybe the devil's all right yeah and and, i mean i don't want to spoil the film for you but that in in some ways that's kind of like the message unless of course you subscribe to the idea that um it's all in her head and there's the theory that in rosemary's baby you know the the baby is stillborn and um this is her she's gone insane yeah, it's her, it's her playing she, out. It's, you know which is which, yeah, work, which is, which one, is why, one of the reasons again what the film's so great because that theory still um you know does stand up you can you you can follow through on that uh, as a theory mm. it really works yeah um, but i take i sorry to interrupt you there but um but i think you're right about rosemary's baby not having a lot of the to and fro between kind of uh, Christianity versus Satanism mm. or devil worship or whatever, um, which are, I guess, two different things. But a film that does have a lot of to and fro and it does it in a really great way is The Wicker Man, yes. which, of course, came a, a, a decade later. And that very clearly explores the the kind of, if you want to call it the pagan explosion, mm. or the, the sort of the more embracing of more Earth-type religions um, which is understandable, by the way. That makes total sense to me why people would 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 find those religions more interesting. I've interviewed quite a lot of Wiccans for an article I wrote once, and they were saying about they tried Christianity, but it was so male centric mm. and so anti ecology, or just not interested in ecology, that they found their place in in more like paganistic religions. For use, for one of a better term, I don't know what the right term is, but you know these sorts of religions that you see in the Wicker Man. Yeah, but the Wicker Man is great because it has a lot of back and forth. Where um, you know Sergeant Howie, mm. played by Edward Woodward, is just he can't he cannot believe what's happening. He goes to the <laughs> school in Summer Isle and he he finds out that Christianity is being taught as a comparative religion yeah. rather than as the religion. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Do these kids not know about Jesus? What's going on? And um, and I'm sure that Christopher Lee's character says at one point, 
hey, your god had his chance, but he blew it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, 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 Wicker Man is one of the films on my list that um, mm. I really like because it, it's one of those films as well where uh, no one is a clear... like. No one's clearly the like, the better, like you say. You know that when he comes to someone yeah. like uh, Christopher Lee is incredibly sinister throughout. You know, <laughs> wonderfully mm. so, <laughs> especially in the dress part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, so when it does when it does reach its climax, and you know, you think, oh my god, these these you know these pagans, these Wiccans, and that they've they've really taken this to a, a whole new level. Um, mm. And so you sort of you think, well, I can't support them. But then when you meet, uh, let's say Sergeant Howie, like. He again is like so dogmatic and so stuffy that he's not, you know, he he's not yeah. like a pure, um, you know, heroic character either because he's also he's, mm. you know, he's he's pointing well your way of life is 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 wrong and and you know yes. cor- corrupted. Yeah. And there is a scene I think in um, in uh, in Christopher Lee's character studying where they have that conversation, and they do say, I think he does say something on those lines and says well, you know. He blew it like he, you know, he had his chance because we now do this and this, you know, he keeps the crops growing and we we have yeah. great this, we have great that, and you sort of think, well, okay, well, it's tough, tough to argue with that. Like you say, you you followed a different path mm. um, until the path leads to the Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but even even the Wicker Man itself, uh, you know, that what happens in the end is is is, is in many ways a kind of essentially Christian idea. Um, I mean, it's a twisted version of it, but you know, right at the heart of Christianity is is this symbol of the cross, which many people think is, you know, oh, what a nice thing to have on a tea towel or um, to give to your your girlfriend for um, Valentine's Day, perhaps a, a earring shaped like the cross. But of course, it's a form of execution, mm. and at the very heart of Christianity is this idea of Jesus. Um, death on a cross uh, and that sacrifice somehow opens the doorway for us to be connected with with god again um and that's what they're doing on summer isle they're just doing it with um iwa woo woo (laughs) edward woodward sticking him up there and obviously the difference is he's not going willingly whereas in christianity he's jesus is going as a kind of willing sacrifice but it's still that same christian sorry that religious idea of a sacrifice having to be made and this again is something that is is in a lot of horror films um you know that some sort of sacrifice blood must be shed Mm. um to appease an angry god um and people sadly still think that is exactly what christianity is like but there's there's growing numbers of christians who don't view it that way that you know they see jesus death on a cross not as you know, him being punished by a super angry God who wants to lash out at someone so he picks his son, but more like a kind of demonstration of of uh, of love and sacrifice and say, no, listen, man, guys, I'm going to take this bullet for you because I love you so much, which is a bit different from, you know, a blood-hungry God desperate yeah. to kill someone. And then Jesus steps, right, I'll kill you instead. <laughs> but yeah, so sacrifice, yeah, in, in The Wicked Man is, um, well, in lots of films is, is is quite quite a big horror thing. It is, and you're right. Because again, I, I sort of I've got it on my notes. I've got them under like old religion, you know, that sort of old world religion yeah. is very much sort of driven on that. And it, again, sort of um, yeah, you know, going back to hereditary, um, which had that sort of like, you know, yeah, it, it forms a, a, a ritual ritualistic religion around witchcraft. Um, you know, um, yeah, there's a, the other one. I don't think the blood on Satan's claw. Oh yeah, uh, and, and yeah. sort of folk horror films from the seventies and stuff. It's very again sacrificing mm. as you know as a younger generation of which is 
totally about counter counterculture. Um, yeah, I had dinner with Linda Hayden once, just to drop <laughs> names, but that's the the woman from Blood and Satan's Claw, and it was just such it was so messing with my mind because like I had such a massive crush on her when I was yeah. a kid, when I was a teenager watching that, even with her crazy eyebrows, I was like, oh my word, she's gorgeous, <laughs> and then I got an opportunity to yeah have dinner, and it was just. Yeah, it was so wild. But yeah, but you're right, that film and so many like it just have this this and by the way, of course sacrifice as well is a great plot device mm. because it just makes sense in a in a in a in a, in a storytelling technique to say some, we have to kill someone and it has to happen at a certain time and if it does it that will change things. Um and there's a lead up to that and there's a sort of crescendo with the sacrifice. So it's it's a kind of a good thing to put in a story as well. <laughs> As being kind of resonant. It does, yeah, it works well. Because, you know, other ones I've thought of was, you know, say, um, uh, the film Apostle, which is the Netflix film. Uh, oh, yeah. I say that's, and that sort of, I really, I mean, I really enjoy that film because it, it, it taps into more of like weird fiction, sort of, you know, weird fiction kind of horror. Mm. Um, and it has that yeah. idea of like, they actually see, and again, I'm not going to spoil it because it's such a good film, but this, they actually see the power of a supernatural being and then want to utilise mm. that as, you know, they form a cult around that sort of thing. Um, yeah. You see you see that same idea in things like um, H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Shadow Over mm. Innsmouth, which was filmed by Stuart Gordon as Dagon, um, but of like a, a little fishing village who, you know, they they worship the old ones. They worship this this god called Dagon because... He provides, you know, he's he actually works for them, whereas the Christian God doesn't seem to work out for them. But these guys go for Dagon instead. Yeah, and Lovecraft definitely taps into that. You know, apart from let's say the whole um, the Cthulhu mythos, many yeah. of his smaller stories as well that sort of like slightly tap into it do really tap into that idea of, um, like say cults and uh, religious sort of groups. That, like you say, have yeah. moved away from you know from Christianity, and he uses that, and it's sort of like saying, yeah, they they worship this being that they know exists, but it's not mm. a god; it's actually some sort of interdimensional or sort of like time traveling, you know, amorphous creature. Yes, um, and so you know, they, it's that thing of like, well, they don't worship, um, they, they 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 don't have faith; they they've actually physically seen it, like they they know these things exist, and it's driven them mad yeah. to that sort of. Um, mm. And I think it's like the, the I don't know if you, have you seen the film The Ritual? Um, yes, again, yeah. Like the, the, you know the, the, the Adam Neville film. Yeah, so you know at the end of that film, um, which is again a great film, really sort of uh, worth seeing. Mm. But the climax of that film, and they come across that sort of they come across a community in the uh, Nordic woods that yeah. you know has been offered the opportunity for immortality through a, an actual being, like this thing they mm. call it a god, but it's a physical entity so you know it's it's yes that's a good distinction yeah uh yeah you're right that's it that's interesting i never thought about that before but you're right like this there's the idea of having a kind of a spirit the god of spirit or whatever and then a more incarnated version Mm. of divinity of course i mean that's what christianity says in terms of jesus being an incarnation of of god and the word incarnation is interesting because the original latin word for incarnation the word carn um, is the same word we use for the word carnivore or carnosaur. It's about meat. Um, ah. And so the idea of the incarnation is that God comes with meat on, like in meat, as in in the flesh. 
So we talk about God coming in the flesh as Jesus. So the idea is Jesus is like the perfect example of who God is. Uh, you know, if you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus because um, it's God in, in, in flesh. Mm. Um, but ironically, a lot of Christians and a lot of critics, critics of Christianity get mixed up here because they the, the God that is painted is is just terrible. And he's nothing like Jesus character jesus kind loving progressive you know caring that's what god's supposed to be like um but but you know people have this view of him being more like the the angry old Testament. blood hungry monster yeah so it's it's all quite interesting but yeah you're right this idea of having god in the flesh or deity in the flesh is, is is a cool idea. I didn't think of that with the ritual, but you're right. I think it sort of comes to others as well. Like, you know, this thing of this idea of having that it, it, it forces these people in the film to question their faith because a lot of them do start, yeah, as, as a, whether it be you know Judeo Christian or whatever. But they question it. Like, well, how could you know, is there a god? Actually, I'm seeing this other thing now, this entity. And I think even like to to, to ridiculous films like Children of the Corn, you know. Oh, Children of the Corn. I love... Ch- I, well, let, let, I, I like the first 25 minutes yeah, of Children of the yeah. Corn. I, I, I think the fir- I, I can't remember how long it is, but I think the opening scene to Children of the, Cor- Children of the Corn is amazing. The bit where all the kids turn on their family mm. in, the, in the ice cream. I just... When I, and then after that happens, it cuts to um, the, the drawings, the kids' drawings, when the titles comes up with that Jonathan Elias yeah. music. Oh and it's just flipping heck this film is is scaring the crap out of me and then when they hit the kid but then after that it goes a bit downhill yeah, it's, 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 one of, it's another one of those sort of um, a Stephen King short story being stretched way beyond its uh, yeah yeah running time but again it's sort of it's, sorry I interrupted you though no, no, so, so you make a, it is a good film like I said the opening of that film the book the story is about I think only about 30 pages long so it's it's, it's not a big yeah book. it's really short um but I like the idea of that again. Of that, you know, they are well aware of this, this being, this entity. Mm. You know, he who, the, he who was it? He who lived behind the rose, or he who walks behind the yeah, rose. Walks yeah, walks behind the rose. And it's so they, again, they, they've you know, it's that thing of it, it, it picking a, um, um, the children to to work through, um, yeah, and then in a wonderfully sort of horrible way but again it's that thing of this is a physical entity uh, that they, they have seen yeah. so it's again them being able to and they, they sort of overlay almost like Christian iconography in that because you know say that um, the lead character they've all got very religious names and I know it's supposed to be the sort of the farm belt of, of America um, yeah but even the way they, they sort of picture him you know he's got the wide brim hat he's a very sort of uh, western yeah kind definitely of look. yeah yeah very much a and actually, it's good you brought up Children of the Corn because it reminds me that the um, the the poster for that um, had a had a Bible quote on it, um, which was uh, I don't know if you remember, but the, it said something like "A little child shall lead them." Um, I'm sure that's on the poster, which is a quotation from Isaiah 11, which talks about the wolf dwelling with the lamb and the leopard sitting with a young goat. A calf and young lion to being together. So it's all this nice idea. There's a paradise, and then it says, "And a little child shall lead them." It's supposed to point towards Jesus and all that. Um, but in Children of the Corn, yeah, they turn it into the children are going to take over and, and and kill us, which <laughs> I just thought was wild. I loved it. Yeah, Children of the Corn is a great example of that. You know, where they 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 take the iconography and use it almost as an easy 
um, gateway to sort of as an example to show people you know, how it, how you know yeah comp- you 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 you, re- you recognize this and now we're going to twist it sort of thing yeah and children of the corn actually does that with um with the bible as well itself i mean there's a there's the poster i really like the poster for children of the corn it's a really cool image of the the, the the black silhouette of the hand holding the scythe and the kids in the corn it's a really great image um, but on the posters as i recall it has the bible quotation from isaiah 11 verse 6 which says and a little child shall lead them and in the bible that is that what comes before that is talking about the wolf is going to dwell with the lamb and the leopard with the young goat and all that. And it's basically saying things are going to be cool. You know, people are going to have peace and we're going to love one another. And even the, the, the scary things are going to be connected with the nice things and we're going to be okay. Um, and then it says, and a little child shall lead them, which is supposed to point towards Jesus coming and all that. Um, but children of the corn says, no, forget all the nice stuff. A little child shall lead them to stuff their dad's hand into a meat grinder in the first five minutes of the film. And so, and, and horror films do this. They, they, they take kind of sometimes scripture, the idea of the Bible, and will 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 twist it, like you said, into new ways. The Omen being a good example in that, um, even the the writer of the Omen, I think it was David Selznick, mm. he he kind of he in extras in DVD extras for the Omen, he was going on and on about like this is this is a biblical film. This is steeped in the Bible. Then he would use examples of like um, Mrs. Baylock played by Billy Whitelaw, the night, the, the nanny who comes to look after Damien. It's like, Mr. Baylock is actually a name for, he said, is, is a name for um, the, the devil's handmaidens that are talked about in the Bible. And it's like, there are no things like that in the Bible. What are you talking about? He's making that up. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a great way of bringing this religious idea into it. I think actually Pulp Fiction, you know, the, the famous line, from Ezekiel and Pulp Fiction, where Samuel L. Jackson is talking about with extreme vengeance and all this stuff, mm. but that that is also a made-up quotation, as far as I know. I'd have to double-check that, but I don't think it's straight from the Bible. But it doesn't matter because people hear it and go, "Whoa, this has some sort of weight." It or, sounds. It sounds it, like yeah. It sounds like it's got authority and uh, yeah, um, yeah. I know what you mean, and I think the the the, the omen's an interesting one. Um, in fact, I think it's sort of. I almost think of like there's a um, a positive Christian sandwich in, in in a trilogy. There, you get sort of like Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, which has that sort of like say it's it can be read as a um, a, a positive interpretation of, of hmm. Satan worship uh, with a downbeat ending, and then yeah. you know it's it's followed sort of four years later by uh, The Exorcist in seventy three, mm. and that's got a, it's it's got a relatively downbeat ending, but but Christianity wins. You know, it, it shows the sort yeah. of uh, the positivity of faith and the strength that these people, mm. that, that, you know, the two priests find in their faith in, in combating the evil, yeah. um, which is, is really well done. I think it's an excellent film. And then you actually sort of, they flip it again and go, well, in this one, actually, you know, again, sort of, uh, it's going to have a downbeat ending and um, evil will technically win. Um in which, in which one? Sorry, the the, uh, the omen. Sorry, so yeah, then you get the oh, omen, okay. sort of seventy eight, and it's again, it's that sort of thing of. Oh, sorry, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, but then the omen trilogy, mm. um, the the third, the final conflict with Sam Neill, that actually commits a crime in terms of movies and religion and Christianity and horror because um, what what audiences audiences are happy for religion to be used as. Um, 
as as a kind of a, a trope for spookiness and scariness and everything. But what audiences don't tend to like is when God blatantly saves the day. Mm. Um, and like The Exorcist, for example, even though you could read that as kind of good wins out, it's not specifically God turning up as an angel and saving Reagan. It's actually the self-sacrifice of Father Karras mm. who does it. And so we can we can connect with that on a human level. You know, he sacrificed himself. That's good. But then you get the Omen 3, the final conflict, when, you know, Jesus, the Nazarene, turns up and actually <laughs> sort of sorts everything out. And so many horror film people I know, including myself, uh, just feel like, really? <laughs> you know, it, it, like that, that was, especially after, I think the final conflict, that's a pretty underrated horror movie. There's a lot of cool stuff leading up to that, but the end, even me as a kind of fully paid up kind of spiritual type who does pray to Jesus and all that stuff. Even I was sitting there going, Oh really? The statue of Jesus saves everything here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, well, that goes back to that sort of thing I said before, sort of like sometimes it becomes a bit of an easy get out. Like they will yeah. literally just say, in this case, you know, like you say, God turns up and saves the day or Jesus or whatever. Yeah. And it becomes that thing of like the deus ex machina. Oh, we've, we've sort of mm, yeah. we've painted ourselves into a bit of a corner. Yeah. Here's how we're going to get out of it. Yeah, um, people don't like that. No, and it does because it feels easy. And that's why I think The Exorcist stands up so well. Because, mm. yeah, there is no deus ex machina. It is literally the the priest's faith. Yeah. They, they, it is their faith that saves the day. And, mm. I, you know, it's not about them saying... Yes, God is real, or, or whatever. You sort of it's it's in, implicit because there's demons in it. Yeah. But actually, beyond that, it's their faith and their strength that saves it. Mm. That's why it's such a fantastic film. It's what yeah. is one of my favorite horror films. Yeah, I love it. But but many people think it's crap, and and I, and I've I've spoken to Satanist friends who um, see it as a complete slice of propaganda and a, and just a ridiculous film mm. um, because it's so kind of blatant. Um. Yeah, not being hugely religious myself, I never saw it as sort of religious propaganda. And right. I, I understand that argument. I can see where people come from for it. But it's only when people have sort of said it to me that I've gone, oh, okay, I can see your point. But for me, I've always seen it as a human story. Yeah. Um, especially for <coughs> uh, Father... Um, oh, I forgot his name now. Karras. Uh, Karras, yeah. You know, he he's wrestling with guilt with regards to his mother and his yeah, faith. Yeah, and doubt and too. Everything. Yeah, and so it's not about, again, it's not some deus ex machina where mm. I believe in God so I can save her. It's it's about his a human struggle. Yeah, and I think that does resonate with audiences and, and you, this, this, this aspect of kind of its personal faith, mm. which is, is really what connects. And this is what, what's interesting, I think, when you see, you can chart like the, the, the decline in... Christian influence, if you will, or, or you know, in interest in Christianity in society, alongside the the changing role of the cross in vampire movies, mm. because you know, like there was a time when you might watch a Hammer film, and really, technically, all you had to do was whip out the cross, hmm. and it would terrify, it would terrify and and scare Dracula, who'd run away, um, and you didn't particularly have to do anything. All the power was in the actual object itself. That in itself is what mattered. But then you fast forward to, let's say, the 70s, the late 70s, get a great adaption of Salem's Lot by Stephen King, the, 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 the TV version 
by Toby mm. Hooper. I, I absolutely adore the TV version of Salem's Lot from, mm. I think, 79, David Soul. Um, but in that, there's an interesting moment when uh, Mr. Barlow, you know, this uh, this creepy, bald, rat-toothed, blue-skinned monster, um, comes into uh, the room where the, the boy is, can't remember his name, uh, and um, the kid in the film, anyway. And he he pulls a cross out the kid pulls a cross out to protect himself at that point. This is before he mm. kills his parents. And then uh, Mr. Barlow just grabs this cross and throws it to the side. Um, and it's because the boy doesn't have faith in it. Mm. Oh, no, it's the priest. It's the priest. Sorry, it's the priest who holds it. And it's, he, he doesn't have faith in it. And then this happens in Fright Night as well. Yes, where, I was going to say that's what I was going to go to. Yeah, yeah, it whips out the f- cross and um, Charlie Dandridge or whatever he's called, uh, Jerry Dandridge, sorry, yeah. is saying to Charlie, "You got to have faith. You got to have faith. It doesn't matter without your faith." Now, in the fifties, in the Hammer films, faith was irrelevant because the power was in the object. Seventies and eighties, the power is in the faith. It's in the individual. Then you cross into say the nineties and into the two thousands and. And then the cross actually starts becoming completely ineffectual with vampires. Mm. In fact, there's some, uh, is it interview? I can't remember one of the films that might have been the adaption of Interview with a Vampire, the Neil Jordan version, where um, Louis or one of the other vampires is saying, oh, I'm actually quite fond of crosses. I quite like them. And it just becomes a thing they are, they're into. And then Twilight and all that stuff, it's just absolutely irrelevant. It just doesn't feature. Yeah. It's an interesting part of it that I say it's that. You're right, yeah. like, you know, into the 90s. I mean, and then the flip of that, again, is if you watch um, uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Uh, and Harvey Keitel in that, like, you know, he has two shotguns and forms them into a cross. And it sort <laughs> yeah. of works, but he's a, you know, he's a he's a, 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 a lack. And yeah, yeah. Again, again, going back to that idea of, of, of faith and that being the, the thing that works. Mm. That The idea of the cross being a... Uh, a weapon and holy water as well the other one you know that sort of thing in the, yeah. in, in the, the, the other thing in the canon um, you, you talk about vampires but one of the ones that always I always thought was odd uh, and it, that it went this way is Freddy Krueger yeah so in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 uh, which is I think probably the best one of the series yeah um, it has the, the, the climax of the film is sort of a dual climax like there's a, there's a whole uh, climax in the dream Mm-hmm. Um, all those kids that you know being looked yeah. at in the institution are trying to combat Freddy and then the other side is they're told by a, a ghost nun which just happens turns out to be Freddy's um, uh, mum uh, <laughs> that you need to find his remains and bury them in consecrated ground oh yeah Crikey, so, they, so they have to pull his they pull his remains out the back of a Cadillac in the in the, in the uh, thing and then they use holy water and a cross and that's actually what defeats him in the end oh yeah crikey i'd forgotten about that um yeah yeah it's a prayer cross they put holy water on him blimey yeah and so there's that again that, that, that you know that, that you can defeat ultimate evil with um you know with with ultimate light and yeah um, I and always that's, it... that's 87 i think 1987 that came out so that's pretty yes. late um but yeah again still Peddle, well, I say peddling Christianity. I mean, for me, Christianity is meaningful, so it's it's sharing the power of Christianity. But it's still, in many people's eyes, peddling this uh, this idea that the answer 
is in is in Christianity itself. That's interesting. Mm. I'd forgotten about that. It, it, yeah, because that that felt a little bit like they'd painted themselves into a corner, and you know they obviously introduced Amanda Kruger, his mother, as as being yeah. a nun. So it sort of makes sense. I mean, that was again introduced by Wes Craven. That was oh, in his yeah. original script. And um, she was was she raped by the inmates or something? That's right. Yeah, he's he's and, the bastard and, son of a thousand maniacs. That's yeah. it. Oh, what a that, that's a brilliant line. It is. Yeah, Crikey, I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten that line. Um, which is probably thousand. one of the most horrific scenes in that film is when you see that yeah. she gets locked in over the, over a, a holiday break and it's um, and you, you actually see like a Robert England, um, you know, in no makeup but dressed in rags, sort of lurking in the back of this crowd of. Um, Oh, uh, of, of yeah. lunatics all trapped in this pit it's such, such that a, is good a good film, film isn't it Craigie I haven't seen it in ages you forget but yeah that yeah. was a that was a solid entry that was um, but you know we, we, we talked about Stephen King before and um, it's just popped into my head actually about like that but you, you say about the sort of um, the late 70s and, and, and King with uh, Children of the Corn and that idea of evangelical um, and I suppose I can't really talk about horror and religion without talking about Carrie's mum Oh, Craig, yeah. Um, almost to. And the dirty pillows. Yeah, right, yeah. But that, that sort of thing of, like, you know, it's almost to a, like, like parody levels, but played. Yeah. Um, but again, it uses that thing of sort of evangelical and, and sort of like. And again, some of that makes no sense. Like, and, and Carrie actually points yeah. out at the end of the film, like, you, you're babbling. Like, this isn't from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a completely kind of twisted version of of, of Christianity, you know, because it's not reflecting Jesus as being this kind-hearted, caring guy in that. And this is what's good about it, of course. This is what's make it makes it enjoyable because it's so scary. But like I, one of the scariest moments I found in Carrie was her sitting in a prayer closet and mm-hmm. having, um, well, I you, you think it's Jesus on the cross, but I actually think it's one of the, one of the saints um, who's sort of shot with arrows i can't remember which saint but at the time i just assumed it was jesus um and it, and it's like this little model and it's got this he's got these really bright eyes like he's got yeah. a little bulb inside his head and i'm like this is scaring the crap out of me i'm this is touching me in a in a, in a, in a kind of profound way because probably because i've got this religious upbringing somewhere well mm. You know, I live. Sorry, I live in a society that's had religion, and I've turned away from that completely when I was a teenager. And it's it, it's spooking me out the idea of religion coming back in a in a, an aggressive way, or in an evil way. Um, and of course, yeah, at the end of that film, she is uh, the 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 mum experiences a very religious ending, <laughs> if you yeah. want to put it that way. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 great. Stephen King, of course, he he bounces around this idea of the kind of the strict evangelical in, in other parts of his work. I mean, one of the most noticeable recently, well, in the last 10 years, I should say, is in The Mist, um, where he has that, I can't remember her name, is Carmody? I can't remember her name, but... Yes, Mrs. 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 Carmody, yeah. Yeah, and, she, and she's this very kind of stereotypical, scary Christian. Um, and she is scary, and she sees all of this... The, the monsters coming as a sort of sign of divine judgment. And again, though, you say about how quickly, I mean, uh, you know, it's less so in, uh, in the story, but in the film, you know, in the film adaptation, the, how quickly that turns to human sacrifice. Uh, yeah. Very good point. Yes. You know, again, like she sees these physical beings and she's like, okay, this is judgment cast on yeah. the world. We have to, you know, placate them with some sort of sacrifice and, 
Yeah, that's which absolutely. is scary. But of course, but I, I, I do think that's what we do. And, and I think it's very easy for the non-religious person to sit there and go, oh, that's the type of attitude that religious people have. But us people who aren't religious or atheists, we don't think that way. But we are constantly, and this is this is just depressing, but we are constantly in the business of public sacrificing. Mm. Um, you know, the second someone says something on Twitter that is, you know, slightly not right, um, just people delight in the public shaming and sacrifice of individuals because it seems to be a way of getting rid of our own... Um, you know, our own guilt or, you know, like how many people make, let's say, politically incorrect, inappropriate jokes in private. And then someone publicly does that. And then they're all, oh, my God, I got, gosh, I couldn't believe that person said that. What a scumbag. He should be banned from Twitter. He should be fired. Um, and it's almost like this public lynching. Mm. Um, this, this idea of sacrifice through anger is sadly part of the human condition um but uh, I, I i do i agree and i think that that sort of comes through you know unfortunately every day and, and people take sides and yeah this, this, this idea as you said about again like, you know monsoon this 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 there seems to be like an introduction of rigidity you know you sort of well i'm part of this clan and i'm part of this clan and i'm part of this clan so yeah so like, you know and it's weird that you you see people um talk about uh, you know, liberal um, acceptance. You know, okay, well, I don't really care. I'm colorblind, and yeah. you know, I don't care about your gender or your sexuality or your, you know, mm. if if you liked the end of Game of Thrones or not. Like, I don't care. That's that's your world. <laughs> but it, it's it's still, however, like you say, that person will then step out of line, and um, you know, I'm not going to take sides in anything that's, that's ever happened, just in case. But you're <laughs> right. Like, someone will say something or do something, and all of a sudden. You know, my my clan, or oh, we know we can't accept that. We don't. I don't support that. That's completely against the LGBTQ yeah. community. That's completely against the you know a fundamentalist Christian view. Or that's yeah, or whatever. Com- yeah, yeah, whatever group you want to put in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's almost like um, unif- It's that idea of unifying against a single enemy. Yeah. Um, and again, it creates that other, doesn't it? That sort of idea. Yeah, complete. Um, this is what I mean. This is one of the reasons why I I am. I did become a Christian and wanted to be into the Jesus stuff because what I've liked about him um, was that it was all about loving everyone, including your enemy. Mm. Uh, And it was about, you know, um, even when they're nailing you to a cross to love people and to look for forgiveness and connection. and, 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 And that's what I like about Christianity at its purest form. It's supposed to be about having unity with one another but not uniformity that's very different um and unfortunately so many people they think unity is uniformity so Mm. everyone has to be christian everyone has to be this that and the other and it's like actually you know we human beings you know let's kind of journey together to use a jargony term um anyway sorry we're going off on one there (laughs) it's it's, it's true i mean it's, it's funny that um uh Someone said to me the day we were talking about um, this exact thing, and someone just said, "It's you know we need a, you know, Oz- Ozymandias in Watchmen probably wasn't too far off then, you know, to mm. prevent all this other these small groups of unity. You need a bigger enemy. That's what you need because yeah. again, it's just human nature to sort of, you know, it, it's easier to fear and and you know be repelled by something than it is to 
just love and accept things as well, they are. Completely, yeah. And of course, like loving enemies doesn't mean you know throwing away justice or you know if someone burns my house down and kills my family. It's not the Christian Jesus thing to do to like high five that guy and go bowling with him. Yeah. <laughs> go, hey, it's fine. You know, there has to be law and order and justice and stuff. But um, the idea of, of vengeance and hate um, becoming the default position for those who do things we don't like is just not a healthy way of having a society. Um, um, but sadly, you know, more and more these days, people are getting kind of isolated in their groups. Yes, and and so it's easy to define one another by your enemy. Um, it's just a bit and that's it. And, and I do think that's and horror definitely taps into that. You know that idea yeah. of, of of you know fear and unity. I mean, we go back to uh, the, uh, the Apostle on, on on Netflix. That's very much what that film is about. It's yep. people escaping to an island because of whatever, and then forming this little community. And then, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you're different. And if you're different, then you're against the community. And if you're against the community, then you're an enemy. And it's... Yeah. It, and it, that it that makes mentality me, is really dangerous. Yeah. It makes me think of the village as well. Um, yes. Which has a similar kind of like, let's define ourselves based on our enemies. Um, it's... I mean, we're going to have enemies, obviously. And obviously, horror has to... I mean, horror has to have an enemy. Like, it's... Yeah, that's sort of the point. You know, yeah. it kind of makes sense. Even if the enemy yeah. is ourselves, um, there has to be something that's upsetting us for horror to, to make sense. But that's what I like about horror. It, it kind of explores these things, but in a way that doesn't have to... Like, I can watch... I can watch a horror movie in which there is an enemy, a horrible person in it, but I can almost get out of my system that stuff mm. and delight when the baddie's head is chopped off at the end and go yes you know it's okay <laughs> and i can get that out of my system and then turn to the person next to me who's completely different from me and, and show them love mm. because there is a you know we do have that sense of justice in us and that's normal and that's quite right we should you know it shouldn't be just anyone could do whatever they like you know you shouldn't be able to come and kill my family that's not right no <laughs> um but I do think the answer is is to look for forgiveness for one another. Um, but yeah, but ho- obviously horror's not going to go into too much depth about that. Um, no, and I think yeah, right. say that this this idea of, of you know um, uh, of the I'm trying to think of the way to put it actually almost that thing of like unity and that sort of thing and they, that, you know when they do take it to the extreme is that they almost provide like an elite. And again, yeah. I think sort of the the exorcist sort of. Uh, touches on this because you get sort of Father Marin, Marin in particular, you know the the experienced uh, yeah. exorcist, and more so I think in you know especially with like the Conjuring series, this idea of like well we've got specialist knowledge of the supernatural, so you yes. like, the, the Warrens or um, if you've seen yeah. um, the Right with uh, with Anthony Hopkins, yeah. uh, which is another one. But one of the ones that I found really bizarre. Because um, it's almost like an origin story. I don't know if they were going to do a series, but is, is a film called Deliver Us from Evil? Um, oh, the with, Scott Derrickson film. Yeah, with, with Eric Banner. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a bad film. It's actually quite an enjoyable film. And it, it's That's the very, one with the zoo. There's a scene in a zoo, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. That's quite cool, that bit. And uh, it finally has an exorcism like, in a prison cell at the end. And yeah. uh, it's really, I mean, the film's actually really good. And I think Scott Derrickson is a, is a great horror director. Yeah, um, and also a committed Christian. Like, he t- you know, he's. Mm. It's interesting about him. He also did the exorcism of Emily Rose, but he's um, yeah, 
he's he's a he's a guy who is quite open about his Christianity, but is also happy to, happy to be a Christian who can criticize the more fundamentalist flavors of Christianity. Mm. Well, um, the ex the exorcism of Emily Rose is interesting because that's actually although they've changed the names and stuff, it's actually um, if I'm right, is is based on the case of a German girl whose name escapes me completely. Annalise Michelle, yeah. That's it, Annalise, who, um, you know, died uh, as a result of an exorcism. Yeah, that's horrific, yeah. And, and and then there's obviously that question of, you know, was she actually possessed or was it, she, you know, did she really die of malnutrition and, and, and abuse because yeah. of the treatment she got? And so to, to, to confront I think, I think it's that, the latter, if you're interested. But my... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's that thing of, like, you know, it's confronting that behaviour, isn't it? And again, and, and for, like you say, Scott Derrickson yeah. as a Christian, to confront that and make that film and say, you know, actually, yeah, we need to talk about this. Um, yeah. And he does the same in Deliver Us From Evil, because Deliver Us From Evil, it's, it's, it's a cracking, um, you know, modern horror film. It's got some good jump scares in, mm -hmm. and Eric Banner's uh, pretty good in it. But it, it wasn't until I sort of, you know, you read about these things when it first came out, and it's like, Oh no! This is based on a real bloke. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I mean, obviously his claims—he he, claims to have uh, was he a policeman, wasn't he? He was. He left yeah. the police force, or he retired, and he says, "Oh, I take on." He's still alive. I mean, he wrote. He's written a number of books in yeah. which he 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 recounts um, incidents and encounters and all these kind of things with all kinds of supernatural things that he says mm. you know New York is riddled with, and you think, well, maybe they do need the Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, I mean the possession thing is interesting. I mean, I'm I've, ironically I'm currently just finishing the fourth novel, like I mentioned before, which comes out next year in shops. But that that's it's called Possessed, and it specifically explores demonic possession. And um, one of the things the book tries to explore is is how often you know mental illness can be misdiagnosed as as possession, and it's mm -hmm. possible for the Eric Banner's ca ca character, the real life guy. You know, who knows? Maybe he did encounter real life supernatural things, but maybe he's just, you know, meeting people with Tourette syndrome or alien hand syndrome or temporal mm. load epilepsy or something. And he's just sort of going, oh, well, they're getting freaked out because of the cross. So maybe they're possessed. Um, so it's a, it's a very dangerous world, the possession world. Um, but more and more kind of, you know, you, you, you know, you're in about like religions having potentially saying we have the 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 right uh, yeah. R-I-T-E. Um, we have the um, the forbidden knowledge. But now with like the internet, we have this kind of democratization of knowledge where people, you know, anyone can kind of become an expert in things. And so therefore you're getting a big kind of, like an indie scene of exorcists. <laughs> you, yeah. you, don't, you don't just have to go to the, the, the Vatican. Um, you know, you can just find someone online. Um, you know, I, I know some people who've, you know, they got a qualification as a demonologist just from mm. a certificate online. It doesn't particularly mean a great deal. Um, you know, but it, people it, it will it, yeah. believe it. But it is interesting, isn't it? That's it. That, that thing that I say, we've been opened up to this this ability now. This, this, I always say that with the internet, like, you know, um, every piece of worldly knowledge is now at my fingertips. If I wanted it, I could yeah. find it. You know, everything like that. Mm. And it gives you this access. And like I say, people by having, but that, that believe that access equals understanding. Well, exactly. And, and it doesn't. And sometimes access can equal ignorance because mm. uh, you, you, you think you get the answer straight away um, and you haven't, you, you don't know for certain if the source you've got is, is, is legit. 
or you don't spend time comparing sources. Um, I found that when I wrote my book, The Frighteners, um, that I would be, let's say I, was, I wrote a chapter on murderabilia, which is the industry where people buy you know, souvenirs based on serial killers. Like I had a lock of Charles Manson's hair in my hand, for mm. example. You can buy it for 40 pounds a strand. And I was writing the chapter about that and why people are drawn to killers. Um, but even in that, uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Crap. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, but, I forgot it, was about, about, uh, it was about uh, not having, you know, access to oh, information. Not, understand, oh, yeah. Knowledge. Sorry, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, back on track. Um, and, and so when I was researching that, for example, I'd say, okay, I'm going to write a little bit about this serial killer, for example. How many mm. victims did he have? This Russian serial killer? Oh, 42. Okay. And then I'll check another newspaper and say, oh, no, it was 44. And then I'll check another newspaper. These are all national newspapers and it's 40. And you're mm. like, what the heck is the answer? Um, so yeah, sometimes having the knowledge at your fingertips is just say no. You have certain examples. You have you have opinions at your fingertips. Yes, and, and I think that's you have to yeah. dig. Yeah, and I think that's you know to sort of say that to sort of round this out really sort of like the horror thing. I think sometimes that's how horror can act. You know, we we've said that yeah, it's a it's a great way of exploring both a person's spirituality and beliefs and the good and the bad of sort of, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. as a, uh, a protector or as a dogmatic villain. Yeah. But again, like you say, people sometimes, and this is just unfortunate, they watch a film and go, well, that's clearly what it is in real life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sort of, and again, <clears throat> one of the things I will be getting to later in, uh, maybe this year, maybe next, is, is the satanic panic. Oh, that yeah, that's a fascinating topic. Yeah, and that's very much that sort of thing of, of you know, unfortunately, there's some sort of do-gooder uh, who who isn't informed or isn't, you know, isn't, isn't mm-hmm. as, as open to things, does go, hmm, that heavy metal music or that Dungeons & Dragons game or that film, that's all evil. And Yeah, He-Man. You know, He-Man was even seen as being a portal to demonic activity. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, mind you, I mean, I've had, I've had experiences where I've I've done shows uh, like i've been interviewed let's say on a, on a christian radio show they're not all like this by the way but this mm. woman who was the the presenter um i found out later that she'd emailed around all of her christian friends to make sure that they would pray for her when i turned up at the studio um because they assumed she assumed that i was somehow possessed or that i had some sort of demon with me because i like horror movies and i write scary novels um <laughs> And I write for the Fortean Times, which explores spooky things. And all yeah. of these, all of this evidence on her CV thing she got from me, from the press people, were like, oh, crap, this guy's carrying the devil. I'm yeah, like, you, no, I'm not. Yeah, you're and the great corrupter, Peter. That's what the, you're great corrupter, the great corrupter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're right, though. So the satanic panic would be an excellent topic to, for you to explore, cause but, particularly with pop culture, because there's so much in that. Yeah, and I, I do think, like you say, you know, as I say, to out, as we've said, is is um, I think religion horror is, is is when done well, is is a great exploration, not just of yeah, um, you know, uh, as I'd like to say, sort of uh, Christian or, or religious law, but also, you know, around questions of people's faith. It's a, it can be a yeah. human story. It can be, it can question spirituality, and, okay, and I think it can mm. be done incredibly well. And I think it should be done. I think it's incredibly important that this yeah. conversation and discussion happens. Um, no, I and agree. sometimes I think we, you know, I'll, I'll finish on one note just to give an example of, of of why I think it's important is the ridiculousness of the other end. So uh, there was a film called uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And the film was pulled. It was an entire. It was an absolute flop in America because it was pulled from cinemas because um, the is it, is it the Christian Mothers of America. Um, yeah, uh, petitioned it and, and, and protested it across the country, across America, mm-hmm. saying that it was corrupting um, the vision of Santa. And uh, yeah. they said it. And when when they actually did a poll, so some, a newspaper actually went out and did a poll, and then asked all these people. So you so you saw the film, then you you understand yeah. what it's doing. Not one of the people they asked had seen the film. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was that again that assumption of well, it, it, it's horror, so it must be. You know, it's, it yeah. must be doing what we think it is, um, and so I think you know we do have to engage, as you said, with these things to sort of challenge us and to make oh, ask completely. these questions. And 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 also, like religion and also let's say Santa Claus deserves to be critiqued. Like mm. the idea of Santa Claus is a kind of messed up idea. You know, if this, you know, this 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 creepy old guy in a beard who's going to come and reward us for being good and punish us for being bad. I mean, you know, that comes up in some stories. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's worth critiquing. Um, so yeah, well, that's a good point. Brilliant. Well, Peter, I'm really glad you came on the show. It's been fantastic. Oh, me uh, too. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I think you know when I do the Satanic Panic, I I, I think I may look for you for a comment. Um, sure, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, sounds good. Uh, before we go, uh, before we run out, so where can people find you, and uh, what should they be looking for? Okay, well, I'll be lurking in their bathrooms <laughs> and look for my shoes under the <laughs> cupboard. No, no, no. Um, you can uh, find me on uh, peterlaws.co.uk. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RevPeterLaws and Instagram at RevPeterLaws. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel. Just look for Peter Laws or The Flicks the Church Forgot, and you'll find me on all the kind of the social media areas. Um, did I say Facebook? Peter Laws. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, my books are out in shops, the hardback, ebook, audio books, all the usual jazz, paperbacks. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, I better say what they are. The nonfiction book is called The Frighteners, Why We Love Monsters, Ghosts, Death and Gore. That's me traveling through Transylvania and Rome and Britain, trying to understand why people have a morbid streak and defending it. Um, and the novels that I write, uh, the first one's called Purged, second's called Unleashed third one's called severed and the fourth one that comes out next year is called possessed which is all about demonic possession Woo! excellent i'll say yeah and i, I will say uh not to be blown smoke but i really enjoyed uh the frighteners and um purged, purged? The, the yeah, yeah I, I read Star. uh flew through it excellent oh Loved wonderful it. i'm so glad um, thank you so uh, i i highly recommend that you, you go and seek those out awesome uh but yeah but but thank you uh all right no thank you so uh yeah uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And you too. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too, mate. Cheers.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. My conversation with Peter Laws about religious iconography in horror films. Now, I'm really impressed with that. Now, I'm really pleased with that conversation. I think it went really well. I think we gave some fantastic points. We covered some fantastic stuff. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a topic that could really be revisited sometime in the future. So we'll have to see how we do with that. But in the meantime, if you want to get in contact with me and talk about religious iconography and horror or anything like that, any of the topics I've gone before or suggest any of the topics, someone's recently stepped forward and suggested I should be covering classic Doctor Who and that will be on the future schedule. Don't you worry, we will be talking Doctor Who at some point in the future. Uh, talk about anything, please get in contact on email at 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com. I can also be reached through the website, that's 20thcenturygeek.com. Go check it out. There's the blog on there, uh, Pop Culture Pulse, a lot of other stuff on there, as well as all the episodes. And you can contact me directly through that. That's 20thcenturygeek.com. And of course, if you want to contact me through the social medias, I'm available on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Just look for 20th Century Geek. Uh, and I'm there. Please reach out, give some suggestions, come say hello. Uh, always love to interact with anybody who's ever listened to the show. Uh, and if you want to show your support for the show, and you want to tell people about how good we are, and about what the, the good work that we're doing, uh, please go on, put a five-star review on any of the podcast catches uh, from where you're listening to this. Really appreciate it. It raises our profile, spreads the word, gets more people listening. If you want to help us in other ways, we have got a Patreon page. Go and check that out. That's Patreon, 20th Century Geek. And uh, we do two extra podcasts on there. Once a month, I ask the question, is it really that bad? When I take a look at a film that uh, eh, has a less than stellar reputation. And in the other podcast, I sit down with my non-nerdy wife, Alex, and we watch something that uh, is probably the first time she stepped into it. We've covered things like Batman 66, uh, we've done Clerks, we've done Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so really trying to get her into that. Sometimes it's, it lands better than other times, but it's always worth having a listen. Uh, the other thing is, of course, if we want, if you want to come check us out, we have an Amazon wish list. Uh, books on there for all kinds of things, help with the research that we do for the show, uh, and uh, you know we do love second-hand books in 20th Century Towers, so always welcome for those. Uh, in the meantime, I would say thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'll catch you again next time. Mm-hmm.